Welcome to the Simmer Down Podcast, episode 16. You got myself, Finn, here, and Jay Baker, as he liked to go on his Instagram name in high school. I, I don't go by either of those names, FYI. Not anymore. So, not, not, not anymore. Well, to me, he does. He calls me Flavortown. I call him Jake Burton. Or Baked Jordan. <laughs> Can't even say it. <laughs> no. Definitely not. Okay. No. <laughs> to the sports. Let's get to some sports. It's been a while. Sorry, we got another late episode. Things started to happen. And the things that have been happening in the NFL, the events that have transpired in the last two weeks have been ridiculous. We're going to cover that today. Uh, We had a great college football season opener Saturday night. And then some very bad news uh, the next day. Jamar Chase opting out of the season. Huge blow to LSU football. And they were already depleted on defense, and now the offense just got a, a little worse as well. And my question is, why isn't Trevor Lawrence opted out? He has nothing to prove. Trey Lance and Justin Fields would have to have a Joe Burrow-type season to leapfrog him, and Trey Lance is only going to get one game this season, and Ohio State's not even playing. So if you ask me, I think Trevor Lawrence opts out. It's just a matter of when. I don't know why he's advocating to have a season, really. It just it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I think I think I see the sense in it. You know, I think Trevor Lawrence is a really competitive. Um, you know, he's been one of the guys leading the charge to have a season. Um, and you know, he stated early on in his Clemson career that he wanted to stay four years. I don't think he'll stay a fourth year now, but I do think he wants to end with a national championship win. They're definitely not satisfied after what happened last year against LSU. So, I understand it. Um, you know, a lot of these guys simply just want to play football and they know that, you know, if they don't have a season now, it's going to be another year until they play again. And I think every guy, even Trevor Lawrence could, you know, definitely benefit from some extra games or, you know, just another season. He's, he's had some parts of his game where I think he still can improve. Um, you know, he didn't necessarily play well all of last year. And, you know, I think you could argue it'd be a little tough for him because he lost his best receiver and just, uh, and Justin Ross, but I like that he still wants to play. I think a lot of NFL teams will respect that. Um, but I think you're right in terms of if he did opt out, he would be the number one pick regardless. And I think it's a precedent you're going to keep seeing. I just don't understand why Trevor Lawrence has not done it yet. It just it's honestly makes no sense to me because he's the clear-cut number one. There's, there's really no knock on his game, and he's going to be really young coming out still. There's so much upside to him. So I just don't understand it, but we'll see. Anyway, hey, I mean, maybe... I think I think he'll improve. I mean, I don't want to, you know, go on about it too long, but I think he, I think this year he has a lot to prove. I mean, he's playing in a tough ACC where you know he is to play Notre Dame, uh, North Carolina, Virginia Tech. I mean, those are not easy games, and I think it's it's going to really show like how competitive he is because remember they almost lost to UNC, and their whole playoff hopes would have been down the drain in that game if UNC converted on that two point conversion. So this is a team that got very hot at the end of the year, but they've lost a lot. I think if Trevor Lawrence can show that he can still win a title with what he has now, that's very impressive. I don't know. The the risk outweighs the reward to me. Yes. that's That's my opinion. Anyways, also, one quarterback battle has finally been settled. Jamie Newman has opted out of the season, the season leading 
the way for JT Daniels to lead the Georgia Bulldogs this season? So this is one I find interesting because I think I would, I would argue that Jamie Newman had no reason to opt out. I mean, Trevor Lawrence had more of a reason to opt out than Jamie Newman did because he's an unproven quarterback. He did not necessarily play amazing at Wake Forest. I watched the ball game versus Penn State, and it wasn't a fantastic game by any means for them. And, you know, he had a low completion percentage last year in the ACC. I forget the numbers exactly, but I know it wasn't great. So I think he needed every reason to play this year in order to prove that he was, you know, a quality quarterback. And I think his, you know, wishes of going in the second or first round are completely down the drain now. Um, but then going on the uh, JT Daniels, we talked about this a little off the pod. Um, I just don't buy the hype. Um, I think at USC, you can argue maybe that um, – Clay Helton just didn't necessarily give him the best offense to succeed with. But, you know, we saw Keaton Slovis jump in and really um, play uh, exceptionally well. So I don't know, maybe JT Daniels just, you know, was on a really good high school team at Modern Day and, you know, needs the best competition around him to win. And he has that in Georgia. But I think people need to calm down and or simmer down, sorry, on the JT uh, Daniels hype. I just don't buy it yet. Well, I'm going to say – First off, it's a shame we didn't get to see him in a full season in that air raid system with USC last year. Obviously, yeah. his season season was cut short in the opener against Fresno State. But, yeah, it's hard to really buy in the hype right now. It's JT. I think he's more of a guy that you're going to have to see it first to believe it. Um, George is going to have an interesting season. He inherits a pretty good team, though. So that will be a situation to monitor. And as far as Jamie Newman, the opt-out decision makes absolutely zero sense. He had he people aren't even convinced he's a day two pick, and you're you were about to inherit a great Georgia team. You had George Pickens, Deon, uh, Zamir White, a decent O line. I know you lost your first round offensive tackles. That's hard to replace, but this was still a pretty good Georgia team. And it was a competitive SEC, but still, Jamie Newman had a lot to prove, and I don't think this decision exactly benefits him. I think I just it doesn't make much sense to me. It's quite a head scratcher. I don't believe it. It's it's really just weird because I don't know. Maybe he just doesn't want to get injured. But again, to me, he's just another unproven ACC quarterback. I mean, I would take Sam Howell over Jamie Newman at this point. Um, so I, it's a, it's definitely a head scratcher to me too. But I, again, when I say I don't buy the JT Daniels hype, that doesn't mean I don't want him to succeed. I actually think he could be ex, ex, an extremely perfect fit for that offense. But I think we just need to wait and see how he plays first because he hasn't played a season of football in almost two years. Exactly. So and getting to the NBA, the Jazz blew a three-one lead. That was exciting. That was insane. From the Jamal Nuggets. Murray, man, we called it. He was hot. Nuggets, that was Ike's dark horse contender. And then they're still yep. alive. Just stole a win from the Clippers. Oh, my goodness. Um, and the Bucks yeah. are down 3-0 as well to the Miami Heat. Giannis, not exactly proven the doubters wrong. People are really saying he's overrated now. <laughs> so that I wouldn't is- say he's overrated. I just think this Bucks team is a team that struggled in the, in the bubble during the regular eight games in the bubble. And, you know, we talked about it then and we were, you know, the big question was, okay, is this a Bucks team that simply is trying to rest for the playoffs and make sure that everyone's ready for the games that count because they're already guaranteed a spot or were they really struggling, you know, due to just not playing for a while guys being, you know, not fully fit or whatever reason. But I think 
we talked about it as well that Giannis needed the guys around him to step up as well because he's a great player, but the core around him, you know, has been arguably adequate at best uh, since the bubble started. And last night you saw it, you know, it was just a really, really good win from the heat playing, you know, really great team ball guys like Tyler hero, Bam Adayo, you know, Jimmy Butler having unbelievable games. I mean, especially Jimmy Butler. I mean, what a resurgence in his career. I haven't seen him play this well since he was on the bulls. Oh yeah. Same No, Jimmy Butler's ignited a fire in this heat team. I called this, I told you I like the defense. I like the, I like the shooters. This is my dark horse team, and they might just get, make it to the conference finals. I don't know who they'll even play, but they're the only team that's looking sharp right now. The Celtics aren't. The Raptors are streaky. The Bucks might be out. So, um, but as far as the Bucks go, they're the only team that could lose, and we're still, we're going to be talking about them even more potentially if they drop the game today against the heat. So that is going to be a situation to watch as well. Yeah. I mean, none of us had the uh, bucks in the play in the finals uh, though. I'm pretty sure all our predictions were the Celtics, but if I had to take my prediction back, I would be riding the Raptors right now, to be honest, to make the finals. I think this is an unbelievable team. And I think the only team that if they can get past the Celtics, which I think they can, I think they could beat the, uh, the heat in a seven game series, but I don't know. I haven't seen a team this hot in the playoffs um, like the Heat have been in a while. Um, and then going back to the West, I mean, you know, the Clippers and Lakers, you know, they've uh, lost games in these series. And you have to wonder, you know, are the Nuggets in Miami Heat, the dark horse uh, NBA finals uh, matchup we've been no one's been thinking about? <laughs> I think so. I think so. They still got to It's close possible. Out. They got to beat Giannis, though, in the Bucks. They got to finish the series and then we can really talk about yeah. it more. But uh, first things first, we got to get to Clown of the Week. Uh, Finn, why don't you lead this off? Well, we got we got two Clowns of the Week, I guess, this week again. We've had a lot of Clowns of the Week lately. I mean, there's just a lot of Clowns in, in sports right now. An, over- so. an overwhelming surplus <laughs> of Clowns yeah. in 2020. It's really nice for the show. You know, it's one of the easier things to just pick and see who's the biggest Clown of the Week. You know, um. I think my clown of the week this week is simply the Big Ten. I would say maybe the clown of the month. Um, it was just such a premature decision to postpone the season. And I think everyone in the Big Ten, you know, even especially the players, were scratching their heads on, what, you know, what's going on. Um, and I remember, you know, they did another vote to see who would be interested in uh, starting the season earlier. And the only three teams that said yes were Nebraska, Iowa, and Ohio State. Um, and I think that was pretty – expected i think you know teams that aren't necessarily as good like or coming you know off seasons where they lost a lot of players such as michigan and wisconsin would maybe think oh we could benefit from a year off but i think the big tens just put themselves in a mess now because now they're going back and they're saying oh we're going to start at the beginning of november and you know then teams then there's reports that that's not even true and then there's reports that it's the beginning of october and it just seems like a total mess right now where there's really no leadership um but hey hashtag free ohio state let, let them play. I'm going to say it. I think if we follow social distance guidelines and all the other major conferences are doing it, let Ohio State play. This is Ohio State's year. I arguably think there's no one else in college football that has more talent on the roster than this team. And I think it's a, it would be a disservice to the fans and the players and everyone in the college football world for the Big Ten not to play. Because I would really like to see Ohio State match up against a Clemson or you know an LSU or a Georgia in the playoffs. And I think they deserve it. And I think they'll win it if they play. The Big Ten has 
exhibited such poor leadership that even President Trump had to step in and have a meeting <laughs> with Kevin Warren, the Big Ten God. commissioner. It has been just chaos what has been leaked out of the Big Ten. And Dan Patrick, so he reported from one of his sources Tuesday that the Big Ten would be targeting an October 10th start date if they can have all the protocols in place to have a season. And then the Big Ten presidents like canned it a couple days later saying October 10th, quote unquote, ain't happening. So, and that they're not considering a fall start date. So it's just been very confusing. And this, they said this despite the news today that a vaccine could be distributed by November 1st. Also, I want to point out that the Bleach Report um, tweet that they sent out saying that, you know, that, Finn, did you see that? That Penn State study where 33% of student athletes at Penn State had this heart condition called myocardium. Did you see that? No, I did not see that. Oh, well, they, they put that out there. And then a day later, it was proven false by Joel Klatt. And the study was not at all related to Penn State in any way, shape, or form. So that was a completely false study. So you can't, that is not on the table anymore. That is not a valid argument. And then reports surfaced Thursday morning that there would be a revote on a false start for the Big Ten season. And then a couple guys denied the reports. So we don't even know if there was a revote on Friday or not. The Big Ten hasn't confirmed or denied anything, which has been the most confusing and annoying part of this whole situation. And this is why nobody likes the Big Ten. <laughs> so, <laughs> Hey, I like the Big Ten, not the president. <laughs> okay, well, nobody's saying that Kevin Warren, uh, Kevin Warren didn't inherit. Like, he didn't get dealt a bad hand because he did with Corona in his first year as commissioner. But the way he's dealt with this has not been great because I thought the decision to postpone the college football season was premature. And there was a lot of uproar about it. I think mostly because on paper, Ohio State's the number one team in football. They're the top contender in all of college football. And so you cancel the season for them. That is a big blow, especially to the conference. So I don't know. And it will always leave everyone's head, you know, head scratching. Oh, like, what would the who really would have been the national championships if the Big Ten could play? I mean, I think that's one of the more interesting things about this season is that okay, let's say the Big Ten does play in late March or November. Do you then wait to hold the national championship until the Big Ten finishes so you give teams like Ohio State the chance to play for the title? Um, I, I mean, I you I would have to think you have to. Um, and if that even means you know postponing the national championship until late February. I think you have to give them a chance if they play. Because I think the one thing we can say for the Big Ten now is that they definitely at least have sounded off that they are going to play this fall. It's just a matter of when. So I think there's no doubt that Ohio State will play this fall. I think we both can agree that I think there's probably over a 50% chance that the Big Ten has some sort of season. But what if it starts in you know the beginning of November and it ends in late December? I mean, what are they going to do with the college football playoff? Um, I mean, these are all interesting things because if they ended up not playing, I mean, I would say whoever won, you know, you'd have to go back and argue. Well, you know, arguably the best team in college football that season didn't play because they weren't allowed to because they were just dealt a terrible hand. But um, I think I understand the Big Ten a little bit just in regards to all the uncertainty happening in the world. But again, this is just such a weird, unprecedented time for college football. Um, especially in you know the midst of also them wanting to increase the size of the college football playoff as well, it's an interesting you know it's an interesting decision by them. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of factors here that are just really really dependent on what are, whether or not these conferences play. 
Well, it's obviously not a legitimate season when you don't include Ohio State. And it's actually incredible. They haven't had a single person opt out. And wow. if, the Big, if the Big Ten decides, hey, we're going to push this thing to January, and then they have a completely separate season from the season that will have already taken place by the beginning of January, then nobody's going to care about the spring season. You're going to see opt-outs all over the place, and it's not even – like nobody's going to watch. It's just going to be an exaggerated XFL type thing. And the XFL is probably going to come back and have more viewers in the Big Ten anyway. So <laughs> I, it's, it's very stupid to even consider having a winter slash spring season and just be separate from what else is happening in the college football world. That is very pointless, and it's just a big money pit. So yeah, the Big Ten. I do. To get I do think they're going to return. Yeah, and and even Michigan football. You know, like I said earlier, you know, uh, they weren't maybe you know because they were losing a lot of players, they might not want to play. Well, even they want to play. And they have said and came out, you know, that the Big Ten must swallow their pride and admit their mistake. And I think that's just what the Big Ten has to do at this point, because it's obvious that a lot of teams are pressuring them, you know, universities are pressuring them. And I think at some point they're going to make the decision to play, which is the good, which is the correct one, I believe. But I think it needs to be this fall so we really can have a college football season where we can know who the clear winner is. And even if the Big Ten really does not want to have a season, they want no part in college football this fall, they need to take the handcuffs off Ohio State and let them go join a conference because they're doing a huge disservice to Ohio State. This is literally their year. Everybody agrees they're the clear-cut number one team on paper. When you take Ohio State away from this season, it is a huge loss, and you are losing a very good football team. So I think the Big Ten needs to at least do Ohio State that courtesy I don't know if that will happen, though. Yeah. I mean, it's all up in the air still. Yeah, absolutely. And also, so Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas was – Our other clown of the week. Oh, God. He's our second clown of the week. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, just absolutely shooting himself in the foot, getting cut from the Ravens. And now nobody even wants him. So nicely done, Earl Thomas. Yeah. I mean, there's rumors the Cowboys might sign him which I think would just be perfect because he just fits Jerry world so well. But I mean, I just think it was an obvious decision for the Ravens and just one that they needed to make. Um, you know, he obviously disrespected, you know, leaders on the team and, you know, is becoming a cancer in the locker room. And I think it was the smart move by the Ravens to say, you know what, we're not going to deal with this anymore and cut him. Uh, and I, you know, I'm actually someone that believes that he's pr pretty much past his prime and he's never going to offer anything more than he did last year, which was a decent season, but, you know, completely crumbled in the playoffs. And I think it's good that the Ravens are finally getting rid of this guy because I think he jinxed them uh, when before they played the Titans. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no, I commend the Ravens for making this move, though. They, there's no reason to have this guy in the locker room on a championship caliber team with the potential to disrupt everything this team is trying to do. And it's not even worth for other teams to bring him in, especially the tank teams, because you're trying to have these young guys develop and, you know, you're trying to build off their success and, you know, be great in the future. What's the point of bringing in Earl Thomas for a year or two just to disrupt everything and delay yeah. the, the progress of that these young guys are making and set a poor example for them as well. So unless it, there's a, a contender out there that's willing to give him another chance, I don't know, like maybe Seattle, he goes back there, but he probably won't because I'm sure he burned that bridge already. And 
Uh, I mean, maybe. he flipped them off as he was leaving the field getting when he got injured. No, I mean, this is just such example. a – this guy is just – I mean, it's so obvious that he's just not worth having on a team. I mean, even the incident that happened back in May when it was reported by TMZ that uh, in early April, um, Earl Thomas was allegedly held at gunpoint by his wife after finding in, uh, him and his brother, uh, Seth Thomas, in bed with another woman. I mean, that, again, just sets a bad example for the guys in the locker room. So – um, this was a pretty easy decision for the Ravens. And I think, honestly, who knows? Maybe if they win the Super Bowl this year, it'll be like they got rid of the monkey on their back, which was Earl Thomas, you know, keeping them down by his trash talking. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, we actually probably need to update these clown of the year standings. Earl Thomas has made Seriously, he might be up there. He's had a few doozies this year. Well, the Big Ten as well. The Big Ten is definitely in that conversation. <laughs> so, yep, that's our clown of the week. We had two, actually. Nice yep. little two-for-one special there. Uh, one thing I want to talk about real quick is the NBA boycott because everybody pretty much made a joke out of this and they said it was the biggest waste of time, completely re- destroyed the integrity of the NBA. And I actually disagree. And the reason I say this is because in the short term, I think it brought more awareness. Teams spent the day negotiating with their team owners and some team, uh, some people got their teammates registered to vote because some guys still weren't even registered to vote in the NBA, which is incredible. And, you know, you saw Chris Paul do it. I know there's one other team that got completely registered to vote as well. Um, and then the Bucks as well. They initiated this whole thing by postpone, postponing their game. Um, who was it? Against the Magic, I think. And they spent the day talking to the Wisconsin Attorney General and the Wisconsin State Legislature to reconvene after months of inactivity. And now the state government is voting on nine different police reform bills that were proposed back on June 20th, but they were just sitting there um, waiting for action to take place on those. So I think that was great for them. Uh, and then in the long term, the players just want the owners to use their power to make change in communities. And the perfect example is actually Meek Mill. I don't think a lot of people realize this, but there are rappers like Jay-Z and others that have been trying to help Meek get out of jail for five to six months. And then Robert Kraft comes in, he visits him in jail and then two weeks later, he's free to go all of a sudden. Wow. And which is, yeah, that's huge. So, and people are, so people are just mocking this thing like it was the, a very stupid gesture that was not well thought out it, with the postponement of the games in the NBA and Major League Baseball. But the saying goes, Rome wasn't built in a day. You can only co- accomplish so much in one day, especially when the playoffs are going on and you're supposed to be locked in and focused on basketball. So I think this was absolutely necessary, especially when NBA had this goal of uh, trying to fix social justice in America as well as compete for a championship and have a, a champion at the end of the season. So I think this was I think this is actually very effective. Yeah, I think this was great for the NBA. Um, you know, again, like you said, in the short term, it brings more awareness. It was great that teams spent those days off, you know, actually promoting, you know, change and, you know, speaking with state uh, legislators and, you know, really trying to do something and create, you know, use their platform as professional athletes to, you know, spread the awareness on these issues and create change. And I really love that stuff. Um, And again, in the long term, I think it shows that the NBA is definitely at the forefront of uh, social justice and, you know, political awareness in the sports world. And yeah, it's, it's great that, you know, especially one thing, like, guys just not even right being registered to vote you know you take the day off you know to protest these you know these atrocities that are happening in the united states and 
you use it to in a positive way. And that's, you know, getting teammates to, you know, register to vote. And that's something that's so simple, but yet so important to our democracy. And I love that professional sports leagues are really trying to take an initiative on this, you know, after years of really kind of being mum about it. Um, and I think it's something that, you know, a lot of young people and also people of all ages, you know, um, like to see, um, especially when we live in a time where, you know, there's more political awareness and, you know, conscious of what you say and what's going on around you uh, than any time before. Um, so I think this was a really good uh, decision by the NBA, as much as some people make fun of it. But I disagree with them. Anyways, that, that's our two cents on the NBA boycott. And yeah. speaking of the NBA. As going back to the Bucks, Going back to the Bucks, who initiated the boycott, they are down 3 nothing in their series to the Miami Heat. Three zip. And right now, the Bucks' biggest problem is they can't shoot. Everybody knows that. Giannis needs to develop a more consistent jumper if he wants to be uh, a legitimate uh, takeover star in this in this league. And Middleton hasn't stepped up once again. Bledsoe swallows up late in games. Everybody's saying the blood shell, but really it's been nothing of the sort in the second half of games. So the question is, if this series ends today, and the Bucks are out. They're eliminated in the Eastern Conference semifinals, not even the Eastern Conference finals. Is this his last season in Milwaukee? Speaking about Giannis, obviously. And to me, I'd say probably, assuming they drop the series, because I don't think they'll get any free agents in the offseason. Like, who wants to go to Milwaukee? And even with this free agent class coming up, there's more attractive contenders and better locations. You talk about the L.A. teams. You talk about uh, New York, both their teams could probably. Miami too. And Miami's been in a lot of conversations and rumors with a couple of stars on that are coming up on the market. Even Giannis. Giannis, especially a lot of people think that Giannis might get traded there. So I, I just don't see Milwaukee getting much better than this. And if this is the team, this is the best they could do. Giannis, needs to acknowledge it and he's probably going to want to leave if he wants to if he has legitimate championship aspirations right now yeah i think it's tough especially because milwaukee has done a very bad job of building through the draft in my opinion i just don't think that they've drafted well since they've drafted Giannis, which again was a steal back in uh, 2014 i believe where he was picked um with the 13th pick but you know, they've got had guys in the past that just haven't, you know, they've brought in as high first round picks that haven't been able to gel with Giannis or just simply, you know, did not live up to expectations. And in my opinion, that was always the breaker with whether or not the Bucks would be able to keep Giannis. Because um, obviously, like you said, they really are just not a favorable location for free agents. And, you know, with small market teams in the NBA, the best way uh, chance they have of winning is building through the draft and, you know, maybe getting lucky like Toronto did and getting, you know, a star player in Kawhi built around, you know, a very team orientated team uh, focused team. Um, but I definitely could see uh, Giannis leaving this summer as well. Um, or this fall, sorry. Uh, and I think there's a good chance he goes to Miami. I mean, I think there's a really good situation down there with the players they have. They're young. They have a lot of, you know, fire, fire, firepower and uh, they have a lot of cap space too. So maybe this is a little bad and how we view Giannis in the future if he went to the Heat in terms of losing to a team and then going and joining them, but I just don't see how he can stay with the Bucs if they can't get past the second round of the playoffs. Not to mention the decision to let Malcolm Brogdon walk last offseason and in return get a huge payday from the 
Indiana Pacers, that decision has not aged well. Because he it has not. He looked great for the Pacers. They just didn't have enough behind him to get past the Heat in the first round. So, yeah, they, you lost a great scoring option there with Malcolm Brogdon. So, and they didn't really replace him well. Everybody thought Bledsoe could be it, and he has not been that. So, yeah, the Bucks. It's going to be a very interesting off season for them, to say the least. It sure is. All right, we're going to talk some baseball here for a sec. We want to do our MLB Power Rankings, our first edition of those, with about, what, 15 games to go in the season, more or less. And a couple things we want to talk about. First of all, the Nationals. Nationals, biggest disappointment easily of the 2020 season. They lost Steven Strasburg for the season with carpal tunnel syndrome. Max Scherzer. Coming back from a hamstring injury, did not look his best. Offense is struggling. Juan Soto alone cannot be enough of a spark to save the season for this club. And they made no moves at the deadline because I think they knew what the season had in store for them. So the Nationals, it sucks to see the season play out the way it did for them. And I don't think there was any more talk about a defending champ having a better chance of repeating this season than these Washington Nationals. But obviously, that wasn't the case. Yeah, I mean, they did lose a, a decent amount of players. I mean, when you lose a guy like Anthony Rendon, you're definitely going to have a hole in your offense. Uh, and then also losing Brian Zimmerman um, due to him opting out of the season. I think those were two tough losses. And then obviously, Steven Strasburg, which is kind of the um, final nail in the coffin. Um, and yeah, I mean, th- this team just at this moment, you know, they're definitely out of the playoffs, in my opinion. Um, but I think when this team's fully healthy, they're definitely one of the best in baseball, and I think they've just been unlucky this year with some injuries. Well, for sure. And one team that was really unlucky last year that just turned it around as of late is the Philadelphia Phillies. They actually started the first major trade of the season, getting Brandon Workman from the Red Sox, hoping to bolster that atrocious bullpen, which at the time had the league worst, 8.07 bullpen ERA. And yeah, they, that is got, bad. It is, that is really <laughs> bad. And they got another reliever, too, just for some added reinforcements and David Phelps from the Brewers. And, um, Finn, I know you probably don't like this much this team as much as I do now, but Bryce Harper said this team needed to go on a winning streak and win nine of their next ten. They did exactly that. The Phillies are one of the hottest teams in baseball right now, and they're making a strong postseason push. Could take the East – they still have enough time to do it and get past the yeah. Braves. We'll have to see if they do and it. And they've had some good pitching, too. Um, Zach Wheeler has been pitching well at 2.2 ERA for the, uh, past, his past seven starts. Um, and, you know, that's the thing I think Philly needed to improve on was the starting pitching needed to, you know, meet its expectations. And the bullpen, you know, needed to uh, improve. And I think they have. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of this team still. I, I – I really think that they just remind me of a team that a bunch of talent can never get it to work all together. Um, you know, obviously Bryce Harper is going to be Bryce Harper and he's going to play well, but they, and they've had some guys step up other offensive spots, you know, such as JT Realmito, but I'm not totally sold in this team yet. I think they can make an, an okay run in the playoffs, maybe win a series, but I definitely don't think they're in any sort of contention to win a World Series. But, you know, again, in this shortened season, they could go on a hot streak and win, you know, the next 10 games. 
and then we can be talking them about, you know, in the same league as we're talking about some other teams. But at the moment, I think there's still uh, outsiders looking in, in terms of the, the World Series contention, but they might be able to make the playoffs. And on the flip side, the New York Yankees have oh, not God. been playing their best baseball. Let me rant, please. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, they swept the, the Red Sox twice this season, but are 14-18 and 18 against everybody else. And they got swept by the Rays. I think they're 1-6 against them this season. And the Rays, it looks like they will hold on and take that division, barring anything dramatic. Uh, it's just a are... disappointment. It's just yeah. another disappointment. And again... At some point, you cannot just make the excuse that the injuries are the reason that are holding this team back. That is not his excuse anymore. There's something seriously wrong with this ball club and its inability to keep its healthy player, its best players healthy. And again, they have depth. Like we've talked about guys that are awesome players like Clint Frazier stepped up. Luke Voigt's become one of the best first basemen in baseball. But if they can't get guys like Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton to stay healthy and then, you know, keep their, you know, bullpen uh, pitchers like Araldis Chapman, you know, in in a place where they can actually get a save and not blow one like they did against the uh, the Mets in one of those games, I, I just don't see this team being able to win a World Series. And <sighs> Luke Boyd is having an unbelievable season. And if Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge were healthy, it would be an unbelievable trio to see those guys, you know, hit the amount of home runs that just had a great season when he's healthy. It's just getting to the point where you have to wonder. I mean, can these guys ever complete a full season at this point? I, it's just if they're not if they're young now and they can't stay healthy, what are they going to be like three years from now? So mention, I think this is <laughs> sixty games. You can't even do it sixty games. I know it. This Yankees team is an, is I see. I think they have enough assets where they'll never be out of contention in the next ten years, and they have enough young players to you know develop in order to stay competitive. But they do need to make the decision too soon about whether or not guys like John Carl Stanton and Aaron Judge are worth keeping if they can't stay on the field. So I, I think this Yankees team, if they can get everyone back and healthy by the start of the playoffs, I think we'll be talking about them in a much different light. But we said the same thing last year, and we know what happened. So I think it's important for this team to really make sure everyone's healthy because they, I, this team, at the beginning of the season, everyone thought they were going to be playing in the World Series. And now, I mean, a lot of people might even say they might not even make it to the championship series in the American League. Um, so there's a lot to be concerned about right now in New York. Not to mention – they just reinstated shortstop Gleyber Torres from the IL, but then they lose Gio Urshela immediately. <laughs> so that's just that's just. Uh, I don't know what the physical trainers are like for the Yankees, but obviously they're not good. Something's going on there. Yeah, there's a lot of hype around the new training staff, and <laughs> that ship sailed <laughs> pretty quick. Yeah. Anyways, let's get to our power rankings. Though we're gonna we're gonna start this off. Uh, we're going to just do our top five today. and In depth, five, and then we might go over our last five to make up the top ten. I mean, really quickly, I guess. You know, just a little power power top five or top ten. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to start at number five. Number five, we've got the San Diego Padres, a team where the pitching almost certainly dictates the outcome of the game for them, and they were struggling mightily with injuries in the bullpen. They just reloaded with the resurgent Trevor Rosenthal and Mike Clevenger, the most coveted starting pitcher on the market. Huge Not to get. Mention, huge, huge get for them. Manny Machado is an offensive force once again. Will Myers is slugging. And by the way, they already have a guy named Fernando Tatis Jr. If you haven't heard of him. 
And after the trade deadline, Fangraphs immediately updated the World Series odds to second best in Major League Baseball, uh, the best-looking team on paper right now to contend with the L.A. Dodgers. And the crazy thing, too, is the fact that um, A.J. Preller was able to keep essentially all our top farm system players. Um, We're still considered one of the best farm systems in baseball, even after, you know, arguably most coveted, you know, pieces that people wanted that were on the deadline. Um, I don't know how he did it, Uh, (laughs) but it's pretty impressive, especially when you think of who we kept and who we really had to let go, which wasn't that much, you know, and in most cases you would think that we would have had to give up almost our entire prospect pool for the guys that we got. But this is definitely a really, really interesting team now. I mean, we've already been talking about them building up their hype all season long. But now that they finally have some decent pitching, you know, we won't have to, you know, rely on guys like Red Stammon to blow games anymore. Um, and they've had a tough series against the A's this weekend. You know, they've won the first game. They lost last night. Um, but, you know, I think today they can definitely, you know, close out and win uh, win the series. Um, but, again, we still have seen – at some points, the pitching determine games, especially when the bats don't get hot. But luckily for us, what has been unbelievable to see for the Padres is even if the bats stay cold at the beginning of the games, we've had an ability in late games to be able to get the bats on fire and win and score like eight runs in the eighth for the W. Um, so I think the Padres are definitely going to make a playoff run. Um, I think the Dodgers are definitely the clear-cut um, team that is in their way in the uh, NL, but... I'm excited for this team, man. It's it's just been so fun to watch them this year. It's been such a different Padres team from whatever we've seen we've seen before. And the fact that they reloaded on it, I'm hyped. I'm 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 mud hyped. Uh, Padres fans know how I'm talking. <laughs> There's nobody. That I loves... am mud on. <laughs> There's nobody that loves Padres. What baseball. are you gonna say? <laughs> There's nobody that loves Padres baseball more than that guy, Mark Grant, in the booth for the Padres. Mark Grant. Mud Grant, baby. Mud Grant is – I'm as hype as Mud Grant is when he's watching Tatis hit a homer. That guy just loves baseball. He's just the most intense baseball announcer in the in the most happy way ever. It's so confusing. And him and Don together in the booth. I'm telling you guys, if you're not a Padre fan, you got to listen to them in the booth. They might not uh, – I think they might be competing with the Mets bra, uh, booth uh, this season. I don't know. Maybe we're just biased, but I do love the Padre booth. As much as the – I respect to the Mets booth, though. They, they're they they're hilarious, too. And, you know, Finn, that's actually a really good point that doesn't get talked about enough is in these trades, the Padres only gave up two of their top ten prospects and neither of which were in the top five. So that is incredible if you're a Jay Preller. I can't – I don't know how he did it, but that is not getting talked about enough. Anyways, we really like the Padres going forward. At number four on this list, we got the Chicago White Sox. I don't think there's anybody hotter in baseball right now than these guys. And Dallas Keuchel has been great. Jose Abreu is on fire. And he demolished the Cubs in that series with six homers in four games. Uh, Luis Robert, exciting young player uh, combined with Abreu and Tim Anderson. Their high-powered offense could propel them in the postseason if it stays hot. Um, the, The question mark is really with their pitching. So, but as far as I know, they're taking over as the best team in baseball in Chicago. I mean, they've been unbelievable. And I think, you know, a lot at the, you know, during the offseason, I think a lot of people might have seen Dallas Kukul as a uh, risky uh, signing. But I mean, he's been sensational this year um, with a 2.42 ERA over 48 in the third innings. Um, 
he's been great for them. And again, the bats have just been so hot. I mean, uh, geez, Jose Abreu in that Cubs game was insane. And Luis Albert, again, like you said, very young, exciting player to watch. Um, Tim Anderson's been great. Yeah, I mean, they they're dangerous. Um, and again, I think if you look at them in comparison to a team like the Yankees, I, I don't know how you couldn't take the White Sox uh, right now. I mean, they just simply just have a much more uh, dominant team. Um, they've been able to stay healthy, which is the big thing. So uh, I'm really excited for this White Sox team. And at number three, we got the athletics. They've stayed pretty consistently around the top three the whole year. Um, Billy Beans, you know, been able to, again, you know, have a small market team in Oakland compete. Um with Trevor Simeon and Matt Chapman absolutely ranking. Uh, and, you know, the pitching's been good. And, you know, they beat the Padres yesterday, which has been an interesting series so far. I mean, what do you think of this team, Jake? I, I think they this could be finally the year that Oakland finally does it, even after Moneyball. <laughs> Great movie, by the way. Absolutely. it's The pitching has been unbelievable. People don't understand that this is not a hit, like a super good hitting team. They're only hitting 225, which is, as a team, which is – 26th right now in major league baseball they don't get it done with their bats they get it done with the gloves and pitching this their pitchers are just playing amazing right now and that's what gets it done in the postseason and the A's have always had that underdog mentality this could be the year that they finally get over the top and compete seriously for a title so the A's are definitely yeah, you- a team to watch in October yeah, and you talked about that that weak offense, and you know, obviously, you know, like we said, you know, uh, Trevor Simeon and Matt Chapman are are you know hitting the ball really well, but you know, all it takes is for an offense to click, you know, at some point in the season and go on a run where they get, you know, the entire team's bats are are hot. And again, if the pitching continues to stay as as good as it is, especially with the the fielding as well, those are the two hardest parts of winning a World Series, and they have those two down. So if they can get the hitting a, a little a bit uh, to be a little bit more explosive. They might be the favorite going into the uh, into the playoffs. Um, I, I really think this is a dangerous team. And at number two, we've got another American League team. Pro- and this is the best team probably in the American League is the Tampa Bay Rays. This is such a smart baseball team. The way they win games compared to teams like the Padres and the White Sox is drastically different. And Brandon Lau might take the AL MVP, and he's the reason the run support has been better than everyone thought it would be this season with that lineup. So, uh, yeah, Tampa Bay Rays, they, they have nine pitchers on the injured list as well, so their best baseball is still yet to come. This is a dangerous team, again, that I think can really do some damage in the postseason. Um, like you said, just a really smart club. You know, they've they've valued, they've had a lot of value in the young players that they've had, um, and Again, you know, like you said, Brandon Lowe, really an unbelievable player this year. Uh, definitely an AL MVP candidate. Um, I, I wonder if they get to the playoffs, you know, if it goes like any other season the Rays have had where they've been very dominant. You know, they have struggled and choked in the playoffs. But this does look like a different team, especially from the one last year, who did actually make it competitive with a really dominant Astros team. So, yeah, this is another team. I mean, I, I could definitely see an AL championship where it's the athletics versus the Rays. I mean, it's, 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 I think it could definitely happen. I think the White Sox are the team though, that could definitely take those two down just based on how hot their offense is. Um, but yeah, two really smart ball clubs there at the number two and three spots. And of course, at number one, it's the LA Dodgers, the run differential, uh. the run differential. <laughs> I mean, we're going to be talking about this team for a while, but the run differential is insane. Nobody's even close. 
Mookie and Bellinger are hot right now, which constitutes a lethal lineup already, which is those two guys alone. Kenley Jansen loves to cut it close, but he's still getting it done. If they do fall apart in the postseason, I think it will be because of Kenley Jansen uh, choking late in the game. So, But, yeah, Dodgers clear-cut number one, and nobody's really very that close right now. I, yeah, they got off to such a weak start, and I think that was so refreshing for a lot of baseball fans simply because it was finally, oh, finally the Dodgers aren't going to just destroy everyone in the regular season. But they obviously have Mookie Betts and uh, Cody Bellinger, so we knew that they would get hot again at some point um, and, you know, start playing like they did during last year's regular season. But again, it's all about them getting it done in the playoffs. And last year was a clear-cut example that they can be really hot, but they also can just go stone cold and when it matters. So I think right now they're obviously the clear-cut number one in baseball, but I think going into the playoffs, everyone's going to be a little worried of them simply just because of what happened last year. Um, but they're definitely the clear-cut favorite right now to win it, um, just based on how they've been playing. Uh, but that's our top five. And then our top 10, we, you know, we, we kind of talked about the Yankees already at number 10, they've fallen, you know, the Braves have been getting hot again. Ronald Acuna is healthy. So they're, we have them at number nine Cubs have been good, but I would say that they're in the weakest division in baseball. And that's why their record is as good as it is. And we have them at number eight. And then we got the twins at seven because they obviously have the, you know, fine wine, uh, Don, uh, Nelson Cruz uh, leading the lead in, in ho- uh, leading the league in home runs at 40, and then the Indians at six, which I think they'll continue to uh, regress downward simply because of who they lost um, at the deadline. Um, but yeah, this is an interesting baseball season so far. It's been very exciting, and you know I think it's uh, the playoffs cannot come sooner, man. I'm pumped. Yeah, it's going to be a great October. Um, so th- that's our first edition of our MLB Power Rankings, our top five. All right. So that's going to do it for today's show. Follow us on Instagram at SD Sports Talk if you haven't already, and on Twitter as well at SD Sports Talk underscore, where we post highlights from the show. We tweet our opinions in the moment on Twitter. And feel free to DM us topics or hot takes you want us to cover in future episodes. Next time, we're going to do our college football and NFL season predictions. I think we will do separate episodes for that. And, uh, anyways, catch us with new episodes typically every Friday. I know we've been a little late on the last two, but every Friday, look out for those. We're we're probably going to come out with an early episode this week as well. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Breaker, Radio Public, Overcast, and Anchor. Thanks. We'll see you next time. See you.